Okay, so before we start, um, what I like to do with everybody is uh, do a promo. So this is where you do like this rock and roll DJ thing, and it's just a little clip where you say, hi, this is Kat Stancic from actionincubator.com, and you are listening to Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom Veer. <laughs> or something. And the, uh, yeah, okay, nice. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Um, okay. So then, and I use that on other people's shows. So I'll use that on another show. And then, so you'll be on more than one show. Great. Talking and, and saying your URL. Isn't that neat? That is absolutely great. Okay. So whenever you're ready to do that, it's Vroom Vroom Veer, Jeff Smith. You got it. Yep. I got it. Okay. Anytime you're ready, you go. Wait, so I have a quick question before. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Go. Um, so I just say, you know, it's Cat Santa. And then you and you are listening to Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom Veer do the explosion sound as best I can. Um <laughs> You you don't have to do the explosion sound. You just you know uh, something funny. Insert something funny here. You know it doesn't okay. matter. Blow it out. Um, you know right. whatever your tagline is. Yeah, that's still working on that. And then you, do you want me to say anything else other than that? No, 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 no. You okay. know, just you know, I've i let's do this rock. You know, you know, blah. You know, say something. It, it's you know you don't you don't have. I don't want it to take too much time. So you know it can't be a <laughs> dissertation. So you know like. Uh, drop the mic. I don't right. know. What's funny now? Right. What, what? Let's fucking do this. <laughs> right. There we go. <laughs> Whatever you want. You know, I know okay. it's, it's kind of a lot of pressure to be funny on the spot. I get it. <laughs> no, it's natural. <laughs> okay, good. There, improvise something. Whatever comes out, that's what we're using. All right. Or maybe you could just cough or sneeze. You know, that would be. Yeah, I'll blow my nose into the mic. That's, Perfect. That's super sexy. All yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think you got it. All right. Hey there, you're listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. This is Kat Stancic, and let's blow this bitch up. I love it. Let's blow this bitch up. I'm going to leave the explosion sound in there. Yeah. Okay, I have to hit stop on the recorder, and then I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Pritchard, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer, and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going well, Jeff. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, I appreciate you being here. So uh, you are at maxlist.org. So talk a little bit about what you've got going on and you're most excited about in your business today. Well, we're based in Portland, Oregon. We're uh, an online community uh, for people who are looking for rewarding creative work, Jeff. Right. And we attract people from all over the country, even though we're based in the Pacific Northwest. And the people who come to our site are looking for nuts and bolts advice about job hunting. And, and people in the region are also visiting our job board 
but the reason we attract a national audience is so many people, Jeff, struggle with how to look for work. Yeah. Uh, it's a skill that most of us don't formally learn. Right. And many of us, and I put myself in this category, you know, we could have gone to the career services office at the college or, or the university or, or talked to a high school gu- guidance counselor, but we didn't do that. We just uh, graduated and just jumped straight into the job market. And many of us struggle because of that, uh, because we job hunting is a skill and you've got to learn how to do it well. Right. And that's what we're excited about at Maxwell's, teaching people how to do that well and helping them find work with purpose and meaning. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, I, this is a, like this recurring theme that I've heard uh, from many guests and not just people on my show. I think it was uh, um, the first time I heard this was from Scott Adams, the, the author of the Dilbert cartoon. Yeah. He said that at some point he got really, really good at getting jobs. Right? So he constantly mm-hmm. kept getting like, Every time he, and these were mostly internal jobs that he was talking about, but he still had to go through sort of like the internal version of the interview process to get like a lateral move. And he kept doing that. And he admitted he was pretty bad at all the jobs, <laughs> <laughs> but he was really good at getting them. So he learned that it's definitely a, a skill that that's learnable and, um, you know, it's definitely something that we all need to work on. You know, I'm working on trying to get a job too. So this is going to be, uh, you know, free coaching hour for me. So okay. thanks. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. <laughs> happy, to, happy to help in any way I can. What is your goal, Jeff? What kind of position are you looking for? Well, you know, I used to be in the Air Force and I used to have a security clearance. So after I retired in 2008, uh, I immediately like... Like even before I retired, I had a job, right? It was like mm-hmm. take off uniform, put on uniform, right? Uh, put on civilian clothes, I'm sorry. And then uh, and change offices and then keep doing similar work. And I did that two times. And it mm-hmm. was just driving me nuts. I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> this is just like too much of the same stuff. So I took off like three years to go to school. And so I did that. Um, and now I've been just enjoying sort of like being semi-retired. I, I really liked doing temp work. Um, mm-hmm. so I was doing that. I, like, so I went to massage school. I worked in a, a, a massage spa of all things. <laughs> so completely different from what I was doing in the military. It was like a nice break. <laughs> Eventually I learned that it, it wasn't job that I, I really liked so much, but it was, it was fun to do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's pretty common that uh, most of us will have not only different jobs, but different careers in the course of our working life. Uh, Whether it's after high school or after college, we're likely to be in the workplace for 40 plus years or more. Most of us probably won't retire formally until our our mid 60s or even later. Right. Uh, Right. And and I, I think that the good news is there have never been more opportunities to do different kinds of work, yeah. but to take advantage of those opportunities, you need to be clear about what you want. Or yeah, if, yeah. if that, if you don't know the answer, that's okay too. Right. But you do have to have a short list of, uh, opportunities you want to explore. Sure, and sure. if you begin that exploration and start having conversations with people about what excites you, uh, in, in the, the kind of work that excites you rather, 
you're you're going to figure out pretty quickly where you want to go, and then uh, and you're going to have such an advantage over other candidates for that job because many people use the jobs uh, hiring process as a kind of research phase. They they walk into <laughs> right, interviews, right, 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 and, yeah, and I've done that. Yeah, and I have too. And and uh, and what happens when you do that is you walk in and you and you and you want to have a conversation about what the employer can do for you. And and the problem with that, Jeff, is that the employer at that phase has figured out that you've got the skills uh, in the background, but so do the other four or five people that they're talking to. And they're looking for people who in those meetings, those conversations can demonstrate uh, not only their excitement about the position, but what they can do for the employer, how they can make the employer's uh, life easier. Yeah, that makes sense. That actually happened to me. Did it? Yeah. Well... in, in a weird way, like one All of right. the one of the temp jobs that I that I showed up for, I think I was hired because they were having a so it was just basically sort of like they had a banker VIP or VP doing IT, which is you know sort of like I just used a whole bunch of uh, acronyms, didn't I? Vice president, <laughs> yeah, and she was you know her background uh, was she was from Thailand and but she was her skill set was primarily in the field of banking and she was, she was like put in charge of doing the computer stuff and networking stuff too. Okay. And she needed help because she had all that other work going on and she had to do the computer stuff too. Um, so that's what they were hiring for. But when I went in and did the interview, it seemed to me like I was primarily hired because of my clothes. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, do things like that happen often? You know, just where there's a small little, what seems like it might be, you know, you know, I, I guess we all want to, everybody always says when you interview, you have to dress for success, but I guess not everybody does that. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. First impressions matter. And right. And right. You, you do want to think, uh, carefully about what you do wear to an interview, for sure. uh, particularly for that first meeting. Generally, you want to dress one level up, uh, and and you should spend the time to to look at a company's website and and learn about the the office culture and 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 right. dress accordingly. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, I I think I, I, it was funny because during that interview, she was like the. The, the, this vice president that I was talking about was trying to talk me out of taking the job. <laughs> I was like, no, I, oh. I think I can really do it. <laughs> She's like, but you're going to be bored. It's not a lot of work. It's a lot of downtime. And I'm like, Hey, look at this point, I'm kind of like bored anyway. So I might as well be bored and getting paid. Um, hmm. but eventually she was right. I mean that it was, um, cause th- it was presented like this. It was like, okay, we know this job is going to go through, you're going to have a lot of work for some days and then other days maybe you're going to be not working so much at all. But we don't mind. We know that. We, we want to you know, have you around anyway. So it's okay mm-hmm. if you want to like study or work on a certif- uh, cert- certification or, you know, or you know, whatever, take a class, you know, do some you know, self-improvement, those sorts of things. And, uh, and I said, okay, well, yeah, that's great. Cause there was like this, uh, IT certification that I wanted to do anyway. Right. So I mm-hmm. thought, okay, great. 
right? But then as soon as I got in and I start wanting to do those things, then they're like, well, you know, what's happening is, is you're studying and the boss is walking by and he can see you not uh-huh. working. And I'm like, but <laughs> you said it was okay, yeah. you know? <laughs> so that's kind of like where the rub was right away, you know, kind of thing. I was like, you said I could do this and now I can't do this. I'm like, what's going on? You know? So anyway, there you have it. <clears throat> Did you stay at the job very long, Jeff, or did you Uh, move on? No, well, let's see here. Uh, It wasn't very long. It was, mm, let's see, like August to January. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's temp. So, and it wasn't really, that wasn't, uh, the major motivation was more, I would have stayed, but I decided to move from Los Angeles to Vegas. So I was like, mm, I'm just going to leave <laughs> and I'm going to take off and go get this move done and then move on to the next phase. So it was more of a, we decided to move. Yeah. Right. Right. I probably could have worked I through see. that, you know, um, because we had talked about it and if they would just, uh, if they would have allowed me to move my desk, then the boss wouldn't have seen me every time he walked by. Cause my cube was like right on the way to his office. Ah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Strange. See you, yeah. Yeah. Well, generally, I, I you know, I found uh, in the, the readers that I talk to who come to our site and uh, our events that people who are clear about what they want uh, before they walk into the interview room and, and understand what the employer's needs are, are, are probably going to make a match that's going to last longer than that and it's because of the preparation and the research they do ahead of time right, uh, right. yeah in, yeah in this instance it it sounds like you got what you needed from that position and uh and for a short-term assignment it was right I, I, a, it was a good one if you're looking to make um you know a uh, uh, settle somewhere for two three five years uh you you really do want to do that homework before you walk into an interview and when you do it uh, you're you're going to do so much better in the interview process than people who don't make uh, take the time to do that kind of preparation. Right, right. There's this whole movement of of uh, sort of like I know I I joined this other group. It was called uh, Career Change Boot Camp, right? And their okay. their focus was okay. You know, we did a little sort of like internal searching, and we did like the Strength Finder. And then we kind of like did some self analysis. And then the next step was to go out and find, you know, your top 10 places you'd like to work. And that was just like this, like, what? (laughs) So, so I think it it sounds to me like some of your methodology is, is, is more about that. It's like, it's sort of like, instead of just like getting on job boards and just throwing them out to any old company that you've never heard of. And then if they answer, then you go and read a paragraph right before the interview. Um, right. Yeah. It's, so talk a little bit about how you figured that out. I mean, this whole sort of like figure out where you want to work and then really try to get a job there. That makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. Well, I figured it out in two ways. Uh, first, I, I've been running Max List in uh, one form or another for 16 years. I, originally, it was a, a very simple newsletter. Uh, oh, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. And just a few dozen names. And I started, uh, what I did, Jeff, was I started sharing job postings that crossed my desk and I shared them with people I wanted to stay in touch with professionally. 
um, people in my network. And I'd changed jobs. I'd moved from a position in state government in Oregon to a, a nonprofit job. And and I had been working in the state capital here. It was 45 miles away. I, I knew I wasn't going to be visiting there very often. So the, my challenge was this. How do I stay on people's radar screens? Mm, and okay. then the solution I came up with was I'll just pass along the occasional posting because no one is going to complain if you send them a job posting, particularly for uh, an interesting employer. And as the years went by, that list grew from a few dozen names to almost a thousand. Uh, it took seven years to do it. And I started hearing from employers who I didn't know uh, who wanted me to share postings and then people I didn't know who wanted to be on the list. And I, I actually, it became a part-time job. And, and while wow. it was, um, uh, it was service that drove me to do this. It's an important value for me. I actually stopped doing it for a month and I, and because I just didn't have the time, I just launched my own public relations business. And I, during that, those four weeks, Jeff, I got calls from people who said, are you okay? Uh, did something happen? <laughs> and sure. that helped, helped me understand the value of what I was providing. And so eventually over the next two years, I turned it. I, I started charging for listings, and today we serve a monthly audience of about eighty thousand people, and the company employs uh, five people. Uh, and I tell you all this because I'm very proud of the job board and the, and the value we offer to to employers. Uh, but as many as eight out of ten jobs out there are never posted; uh, they're filled wow. by word of mouth. They're filled by what? Uh, sorry, say that again. Word, I'm sorry. They're filled by word of mouth. Word of mouth. And, okay. And and think about it. I know you've had this experience, and I know oh, your yeah. listeners have too, where you get a call or or an email uh, from someone who says, "Hey, we're hiring somebody over here, or I'm getting a new boss. Here's the the posting for my my new boss's position description. Please send somebody good that I can work with, or or I'm we're hiring a peer of um, send me good people. That's People who then respond to those emails and say, hey, uh, I'm a friend of Jeff Smith's. He, he passed along your posting, uh, and I'm very interested in the position for these reasons. Uh, uh, they may have to go through a formal hiring process, but often they don't. And when you are recommended by someone else or you are known to that employer, you're going to have uh, – you're able to go in through a kind of back door – and the principle right. that's operating here, it's not a conspiracy. It's <laughs> uh, people hire people they know or they hire people uh, recommended by those uh, they trust. And the reason they do that, uh, some of it is psychological. You know, we want, we're comfortable with people who are known to us or are like us. And uh, uh, also it's about managing risk. Uh, when you make a hiring mistake – and data sh is out there showing that as many as 50% of hires don't work out. It's expensive. It, right. it, you, it, you might work with someone for three, six, even 12 months. It doesn't work out. You let them go. All the work that you hope to get done that had been piling up before you hired them maybe wasn't done very well or, or not done at all. And now you've got to start the hiring process again. And yeah. that's going to take another three to six months. Right. So managers want to minimize that risk. And the way they do it is by tapping their own networks. And and they and so word of mouth is vitally important in hiring. Right. Now, 
having said all that, you can say, well, gosh, um, I don't know how that works. Uh, and, uh, all I know how to do is, is respond to job postings. You got to embrace the way the system works and you have to understand how it works and, and then learn how to make it work for you. And that's a big part of what we do at Maxlist through our education and training services. Mm-hmm. But and and their career coaches and the and the experience you described, Jeff, there are a lot of good organizations out there that teach this. And so right. wherever you go for the information, you've got to master this skill. So that's what I say as an employer or business owner. I know this because it's it's made a huge difference in my own career. Um, I happen to be fifty nine, and before I started. Max List. I also run a public relations company. I ran. Uh, I worked as a communications professional. I was a spokesman for elected officials. I was a speechwriter for a governor. I worked at a city hall here in the Pacific Northwest for a mayoral candidate, and I had big, fun jobs. And people would say, "How did you get those jobs?" And I, I got them through word of mouth, using the same uh, networking techniques and informational interviews and other methods that um, you probably learned about in that career boot camp and that uh, uh, people who get good at job hunting master and apply in their own searches. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about those sorts of things. So I've already heard that, okay, I think one of the techniques was to, you know, sort of like, you know, you know, I think the hardest part is finding company. So I'll, I'll just yeah. put that. Let's say we've already done that, <laughs> especially for some somebody like me. Like I just moved to Las Vegas. So like I don't even know companies that are here other than casinos. But anyway, yeah. let, but once you do, then then you try to find folks that you can talk to at those companies. Right. And it's, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, Jeff, I would actually encourage you to take a step back. So, OK. First, you got to be clear about what it is you want to do. What are your goals? Okay. Um, what are the kind of positions that interest you mm. and what you offer. And to uh, loop back to your story about the boot camp you attended, you know, using tools like Strength Finders help you. Uh, and there are other methods out there, too. Right. Help, help you get clear about what you offer. Okay. Um, and talk to your peers and your former bosses as well and, and ask them uh, about your strengths and, and where you've made a difference. And the better you know yourself, the more successful you'll be in setting your own goals and being clear about where you uh, and what you have to offer. Right. Once you're clear about that, then yes, um, look at uh, the companies that uh, offer the kinds of opportunities, the positions that most interest you, where you can make a difference. And there are two ways to find out about positions at those companies. And you do need a short list. And I, this boot camp you described where they had you make that list of 10. Um, it takes some time, but do it because it's a big universe out there. Right. Yeah. And so many people, instead of making a list like you did, they sit down at a computer and, um, you know, they pick a, a, a big national job board. And these are all fine sites like Monster or Indeed. And they just start scrolling and they say, well, that interests me or I could do that. And they spend a lot of time, sometimes all day, responding to job postings. Right. And here's the problem with that. First of all, as many as eight out of ten jobs never land on that site. Mm. But second, you're competing. So you, there may the job you want may never be posted. Mm-hmm. Here's the other problem. You're it's as easy for other people to apply as it is for you. So right. you're 
resume goes into a pile of 50, 100, 300. And if if you're not clear about what you offer and what you want to do, you're not even going to uh, make the cut for an interview. Uh, and you've just spent perhaps 30 minutes, an hour, maybe even two hours if you've customized your resume and a cover letter applying for a job. And your time would have been, been much better spent uh, doing informational interviews and networking. So we can talk about that. I'd like to but, talk about that. Yeah. 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 But the key is know yourself, know your goals, know where you want to go, have that list of companies. And, and, uh, once you know where, where you want to go, then start networking your way into those places. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to bring up is, uh, <clears throat> when I was in government, you know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of saw this sort of like the, the internal filtering system. Uh, have you, uh, you worked in government, so you can I sort did. of like, uh, uh, I can, we can compare notes. <laughs> yeah. So when, when they went to hire a new hire, right, they would, um, they would spend a lot of time working with the person that they were going to hire. Right. And then they, mm-hmm. then, then it would come to that point where they have to actually put the job on the, on the board. Right. And so right. they could meet the requirement of saying, see, look, this is open to all these people, but it's not really, <laughs> they, you know, because right. they, they've already decided who their most qualified candidate is, right? <laughs> because he's right there yeah. and we've been working with him. So you're right. I mean, from that perspective, when I saw that, I was like, wow, especially on, on places like uh, USA Jobs, like if you want a government job. You are really just like everybody. I mean, most of those resumes, I, I went to an a informational seminar with uh, somebody that works in the VA, a Veterans mm-hmm. Administration. And right. she was like, if you don't know what you, how to do a resume on USA Jobs, HR will disqualify you <laughs> and yeah. not even tell you. <laughs> It'll just be like, well, sorry, we reviewed your resume and you weren't a right, um, a good match. Good luck next time. Yeah. Right. And that's it. That's the feedback that you get. So, yeah, right. you know, so yeah. I've definitely and, and experienced I've had that experience. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've had that experience myself. Um, I, I actually got my master's degree in public administration from Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. And wow. Yeah. And I say that because when I came to Oregon 25 years ago, I was looking for jobs in state government and I wasn't getting interviews. And someone, so I finally figured out the system. Someone coached me and they said, look, if you want to get an interview, you need to understand this, that, and this is way back in the nineties, Jeff. Sure. Uh, someone, uh, uh, you sent in the, you fill out the form and the application form rather. And someone is uh, printing it out and they're uh, highlighting the key words in your background and they're comparing it to the position description. So for better or worse, that's how the system worked. But once I understood how the system worked, then I adapted my applications and I started getting interviews. Uh Uh, So in the case, and and again, I knew I wanted to work in Oregon state government. So I, I took the time to learn how the system worked. And I didn't stop there. I also set up informational interviews, informal conversations with people in state government uh, to introduce myself, share my goals, um, get insights into how the hiring practices worked 
and also get recommendations about other people I could talk to. And those are the three things you want to do in an informational interview. Tell your story, share your goals, get insights, get introductions. Right. And by doing so, I, I, I inserted myself into the conversations that you described a moment ago where people are inside government and it happens in the corporate world too. Right. A position is going to open up and there are probably some internal candidates and people, again, want to, hiring managers want to manage risk. So they say, okay, we are required to post this position. Uh, and we may or may not really consider people from the outside, but we got to find a good person. So let's look again to people we know. Let's look right. inside, right, maybe right. look at people at other agencies or at other companies. And then let's see what, uh, what we get from candidly, what they might consider a kind of cattle call. But if you want to be part, again, recognizing that people hire people they know or recommended by people they trust, if you want to be part of that conversation, you got to get in front of those hiring managers uh, when they're having those internal conversations. And you can do that. That's a skill you can learn how to right. master and you can execute well. So give us a, a, <clears throat> like a, uh, an example or a story of a successful setup of of how somebody would go and, and set up a, an, one of these informational interviews. So sure. does it just start with the, like a, an email or a phone call and which works best? It's generally an email because okay. that's how most people communicate today. Right. And, and, uh, and it's, it's a short message with a clear subject line and a typical request for an informational interview might go like this. Um, Dear Jeff, uh, my friend Mac Pritchard suggested I, I contact you. I'm exploring opportunities in public affairs in Las Vegas uh, because you've worked in government uh, and or you currently are, are working in a with, with the Veterans Administration and public affairs today. He thought you'd be a good source about of opportunities in the area. I'd love to sit down with you for 15 to 30 minutes uh, at your convenience to talk about uh, uh, the field and who might be hiring in the area. I'm available between 10 and three Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Um, let me know what might be con most convenient for you. Wow. I look, uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Okay. And then you can also insert a line saying, you know, as you could, uh, attach as my resume, as you can see, I have a considerable experience in public affairs. Mm. And, and then, uh, in your subject line, you want to say something like, um, uh, you know, uh, Mac Pritchard sent me uh, a request for an informational interview and you generally people will respond to that first request. I, I usually let it wait a week. Then I make a second attempt and it's a very brief follow up saying, Hey, just following up on the note below. I know you're a busy person would be grateful if you could find time, uh, 15 to 30 minutes to meet on these dates during these times. Wow. And then I, I'll let it go almost everybody responds a second time. Mm. Uh, but you, uh, if I don't hear, I'll make one last attempt and it's usually just one or two sentences saying, Hey, following up on the messages below, don't want to be a pest. I'll just wait to hear from you. And, uh, I found I can count on one hand, Jeff, the number of people who have, act, who have not agreed to meet with me. And I've done this hundreds of times and worked with people who've done yeah. it as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, so that's how you want to do at it. At this point, you're not even asking for a job necessarily. No, no, no you're right. <laughs> you're trying to you're, hack the hidden job market. And right. the way you do that is by 
uh, inserting yourself into conversations about those up to eight out of 10 jobs that are never advertised. Mm. And when you're doing a job search, your most valuable asset, Jeff, is your time. So how are you spending your time? Right. Most job seekers spend 100% of their time responding to job postings. Right. And we already think, know that doesn't work very well. Well, just look at the numbers. So if two out of 10 jobs are posted publicly and you're spending 100% of your time chasing those 20% of the jobs, you're missing out on the other 80%. Right. So right. you need to do both. You need to check job boards. Absolutely. Check check mine. There, there are 40,000 niche job boards out there mm. and they are a good source of leads. And But you you should spend the majority of your time doing informational interviews, attending industry events, and, and uh, consider volunteering for professional groups in your, in your world because it's your network that's going to tell you about the jobs that are never posted. It's your network that's going to recommend you for those positions, and it's your network that's going to give you the heads up on who's going to be hiring in the, sh- in, in, the, in the short term or in the future so you can reach out to those hiring managers before they even begin planning filling those positions. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the volunteering aspect. So um, do you have any good like success stories that came out of uh, some volunteer opportunities? Yeah, I, I personally, um, I've used volunteering in my own career before I started my businesses to build professional relationships with people in the field where I wanted to work. So uh, I worked in electoral politics and for elected officials for a number of years. Um, And an example personally of how volunteering helped me was one of my goals after I got out of grad school was to work for a governor. And I moved to Oregon. I worked at City Hall for a mayoral candidate, but I wanted to work for the governor of Oregon. Oh, okay. Wow. uh, so that that was on my my list, and so three years after I got here, uh, there was a gubernatorial election. I volunteered for the successful candidate, um, and I was one of a large number of people that got, a, frankly, a courtesy interview. But uh, it led to another interview, and and I didn't get a job, and uh, and then, uh, but I met the people who ran the office. I stayed, I made a point of staying in touch with them professionally. They knew me for my, my uh, volunteer work on the campaign. And when another opportunity came up two years later, it was a temporary assignment and I contacted them about the opportunity. They knew who I was, what I could do, and they didn't consider any other candidate. So I went there for a 10 week assignment, Jeff, and, uh, ended up staying three years. And I, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, did volunteering on that campaign get me the job? Uh, it it helped me start to begin to build relationships right. Uh, right, right. that I made a point of, of maintaining. And when you think about your network, it's not about taking. It's also about giving. You've got to not only ask your network for help, you've also got to serve your network. Mm. So I made a point not only in those relationships but in all my professional relationships of, of giving without any – any expectation of getting anything in return. Right. And when I've done that, uh, if I was keeping score, I, the dividends have just been uh, unmeasurable. So uh, that uh, I, I, 
when you think about volunteering professionally, I'm a big fan of getting involved in uh, industry groups in the field where I want to work or I am working. Uh, I love working on committees because they usually have short-term assignments and you can figure out if this is a group, for example, that you want to have a long-term relationship with. The great thing about short-term assignments, perhaps working on a, an event or a, 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 a particular project, is it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right, right, right. It's not a lifetime commitment. <laughs> yeah, it's not a four-year right. service on the board. And right, also, right. you can show people quickly what you can do, and they'll see the results. Right, yeah. So, you know, I, I've heard this um, these the, the story of... Um, of volunteering like lots of times. So my question is, so like I'm, I'm involved in a search and rescue team. So, okay. And I just joined. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. But here's the thing is like, like what it, like I'm meeting people. Right. So, and I've heard this, this suggestion before, but if you could just give me an example of, okay, so like now you've met, met people and you know them on the internet you've got their email and their Facebook page. Um, and you want to, you want to stay in touch and be helpful and giving. So give me an example of what sorts of things that you're doing for them. Uh, and I get it, you know, it's just, I've never, Maybe I'm doing it and not knowing it, you know, it's like, maybe it, it's like, I've never, I don't think I've gone out and went, I want to help this person. <laughs> right? yeah. how, how can I, how can I be a resource for them? Just give me an example of a moment when somebody in your network, maybe you reached out to them and you said, Hey, if there's anything I can do for you, you know, you let me know what sorts of things are you doing when, when they say, yeah, you can help me do X. What did you do? What, well, first of all, you're doing it, Jeff, because you're asking, it's as simple as asking the question, okay. uh, how, how can I help you? Right. What can I do for you? And it's surprising how rarely that question gets asked. So, for example, I talked earlier about an informational interview, and this is, by the way, we talked about how a good informational interview works. Um, an, an ineffective informational interview is uh, like is where you walk in with no agenda, no timetable, no ask, and it, you have a general request like, I'd like to get together to pick your brain or maybe we could just have coffee. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a business meeting. And okay. I know that you would not walk into a business meeting, Jeff, without a clear outcome in mind and an agenda, whether it's written or in your head. Okay. And knowing what you want to get out of that conversation when both parties stand up. So when you have, uh, but to your point about how can you be of service to your network at the end of a conversation like that, uh, ask people, Hey, what can I do for you? After you've shared your story, you've asked them for insights into the field and maybe, and introductions to others say, well, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate your help. What can I do for you? And, and listen, and tell and listen to what people tell you and in your volunteer work with the search and rescue group um you know build relationships with people uh mm. recognize that not every contact there is going to lead to a job in fact it most probably won't, won't. right uh, <laughs> right right that's okay oh. so yeah and that's okay what you're doing is you you're uh you're working in a field that interests you you may want to work professionally in that uh world one day 
And a good way to make that happen is begin to um, build relationships and friendships with people in that sector. Mm. And that's what you're doing. To, to, for it to lead to a job, you've got to be clear about your own goals and what you want. You've got to understand mm. what employers, uh, who the employers are in that world, because it may not be the volunteer group that you're working with. Maybe it's working for a law, force, a law enforcement agency right, um, right. in your yeah. county. Uh, and they're in the Las Vegas region. I'm guessing there are probably several dozen law enforcement groups. Right. So you've got to build a map. A kind of a roadmap to that world, whatever field it is you want to work in, figure out who the the uh, the employers are, who's doing exciting work, who's getting new budgets or or new grants, and might be adding people. And your volunteer work can help you build that, that roadmap out. Mm. Uh, and even if so I, many, I don't know, like really I don't know, but you know it's it's more like, um, hey, what do you got going on? You know, you're it, you know you're putting yourself at least you're not sitting in your house. It's smacking keys in your computer thinking, why am I exactly. never getting a job? Yeah. <laughs> You're talking you need to, to step people away and, from saying, the right. yeah. <laughs> and saying, it's, where do you work? Oh, I work here. Oh, okay. Yeah. What, what do you do? You know, and you're having yeah. conversations with real people out in the world. <laughs> yeah. That's probably really cool. You know, so. Yeah. And yeah. In, in your example, you can ask people that you work with as a volunteer who have professional positions, love to get together for coffee for 15 to 30 minutes just mm. to talk about the work you do, how you came to do it. Yeah. What challenges did you have to overcome to get that job? And, um, I, I'm trying to understand this world, what kind of positions are out there. I might want to do this work professionally one day. And I need, I just, I want to understand what employers who hire people like you look for when they do it. Yeah. And you have a series of questions like that or conversations rather and you'll get good understanding and in, insights into who's hiring, what they're looking for, what their problems are, and advice about how you, uh, with your background and skills, can help solve those problems. Because, again, it all comes back to what you can do for the employer. Right, right, right. Amazing. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about networking, because I know a lot of people get kind of cringe when when they hear networking. So how, yeah. how, do, how is – I know – kind of we've been talking about networking this whole time but like are in your in your mind how is it different than you know like just the the slimy sort of like because everybody knows the bad side of networking those, those yeah. people that just sort of like hand you a card and talk at you for you know 30 right. seconds <laughs> And then move on without, you know, right. waiting for any sort of response. So that's the icky version, right? So what's, yeah. the, what's the good version? Is it what we've already been talking about? Well, just to add to that uh, picture you painted, I think uh, people imagine that conversation happening in a rented function room at the airport hotel. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and the person you're chatting with is dressed in plaid. And <laughs> I'm glad at that. Um, Right. And I, I'm not mocking those folks. Um, I think people, you know, good networking is about two things. It's about learning and it's about service. And okay. so lear learning is, uh, means that you, you're interested in working, uh, in a particular kind of job or for a company or in a field, maybe you want to change sectors and you you have a lot of questions and and you're 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 uncertain about how to 
to make that change. And so you learn when you network well by having conversations through informational interviews with people who have made that change, who have those jobs, who work in that field, and you ask them focused in, uh, questions that will give you insights that will help you learn about opportunities and position yourself as a candidate for those jobs. You may also find as you do that learning, uh, Jeff, that maybe you don't want to work in that field. Maybe you don't want to work at that company. And right. it's good to know that right. before, before you, you go interview applications. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Because as you have those, you do that learning, you'll get clear about what you want and what you offer and how you can make an employer's life easier. Mm. And that's going to make you such a powerful candidate when you walk into that interview room. So learning is good networking is about learning, but it's also about service. And we talked about volunteering. Uh, you know, signing up for a committee uh, uh, at, at a professional association in your field, maybe offering to put together the lunch program at the monthly chapter meeting. Uh, and you do this, again, without ex- any expectation of getting anything in return. Right. But the dividends will be in- remarkable. And it's also uh, it's also about giving. And this is part of service. When people ask for your advice or your time, you know, you have to manage it. Um, you can't, you know, you, what generally, uh, you don't have to spend an hour with someone on co- uh, over at a coffee shop to help them. You can often have a focused conversation and give them real value in 15 to 30 minutes. Right. But you've got to give to others, uh, uh, when they ask for help and offer to do so. And when you do that, um, you, you'll, not only feel good about yourself, uh, you'll benefit professionally as well. Mm, for sure. Wow. <clears throat> I'm learning so much. <laughs> oh, thank you for the great questions. I, yeah. Well, this is, this, uh, I'm having fun because it is like I, I had gotten to the point. So I'm, I'm primarily doing um, computer stuff, like, you know, in the information technology field, IT world. Um mm-hmm. My latest thing was that I just completed a uh, Security Plus. So Security Plus is this sort of like computer security certification that the uh, mm-hmm. the, the DOD requires for any, any sort of contractor that they hire for any job. So if you want to do any kind of mm-hmm. IT work with the, the DOD, you have to have one of these three certifications and uh security plus is like the easiest one so that's the one i got mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was really hard Good for you yeah yeah it was really hard but anyway yeah. um so i passed that and there was a, a contractor out in um falls church virginia uh-huh. and it turns out that right now as crazy as this sounds it looks to me like the dod is uh writing a contract to do I've seen lots of figures bandied about, but uh, I'm going to go with uh, the biggest one. It was 200,000 computers migrating from Windows 7 to Windows 10, all in fiscal year 2018. Um, The the rub is, is they're um, asking candidates to have an active secret clearance, which mine Hmm. expired years ago. So this company was unique in that they were willing to sponsor that means pay for <laughs> the uh, investigation uh, to, that goes along with hiring somebody that doesn't have the secret clearance. That means that they have to 
take on that financial burden of whatever it costs these days to pay the government right. um, to get that clearance, that investigation done. Um, now, I would probably have a leg up on, um, you know, 80 percent or maybe more of anybody just mm -hmm. that has never, ever been cleared ever. Right. Because I was in the government and I had a security clearance for years and years and years. Uh, and mine only expired in 20, 2010 ish, maybe mm -hmm. later than that. So they wouldn't have to investigate my whole life. Right. So, but now, um, I don't know if this is a budget thing. It's, it's always a budget thing, right? <laughs> but now just right. right after I get my security plus test done, I email her back and she's like, uh, the security clearance sponsorships are on hold right now. And I'm like, mm -hmm. mm, yeah, okay. All right. So back to the drawing board anyway. So that's my current thing to do because I've already done that. And this, this is a, uh, an interesting job for me because it's, I wouldn't even be working in Vegas. It would be total 100% hmm. travel position. And, uh, and I love that. And my wife loves it too. She's like, wow, that sounds mm -hmm. awesome. So basically they send me to base, uh, insert base name here for anywhere from two to five weeks. Mm -hmm. And then I do the install uh, migration, whatever you want to call it, uh, work, work, work. And then it's done. And then they send you home for Great. a week and then you do it again. So anyway, I mean, it would probably, it's only a year contract. Um, so it would be interesting enough to invest all of that time and effort just to get the security clearance because they last for 10 years once you get them. Um, and then it would yeah. be, you know, way better. Well, I would be like more qualified than 90% of people to get any sort of government job with uh, any sort of uh, federal government agency in and around Las Vegas. So that's what I was working on. <laughs> um, we'll see if it works out, but I still want to, in well, the back of my yeah. mind, want to still keep working on this other, cause that's not really career change. That's just more like pound the pavement and, and get a job in my mind because it's not different. Mm -hmm. I've already done it. Right. It's not a career change. Right. Right. So anyway, that's, I just wanted to let you know where I was at. Um, and everybody and, else now knows. <laughs> well, as you talk, Jeff, I mean, I, I can feel the energy in your voice. It's it, clearly an opportunity, this position in Falls Church that excites you. Oh, so yeah. I, that would be yeah. a blast. Yeah. Yeah. To get and, back and hang out with GIs again, that, you know, hey, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I, I'm, I'm sensing, too, from... Uh, the energy in your voice that the idea of continuing to work on these kinds of projects in this world and having the security clearance that will let you do that uh, is, is something that excites you too. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. yeah. And you know, I'm 48, so really I only have maybe 20 years left mm -hmm. of, of working time. So yeah. uh, I mostly, I think I want it to be fun more fun yeah. than what I was doing in the military. Well, you know, it's not like that the military wasn't fun, but you know, it's not, uh, hmm, how, how to say it in the military. It was all about, um, were you working with people that were, you know, sort of like a good match for you? Right. That's how I assessed whether or not I was having fun or not, <laughs> if that makes any sense. No, I, I, I think I understand you because I, having worked in state government in two states, I know that the 
people who are on your team are important and change can often come slowly to large organizations, whether it's uh, state government or the oh, military. Sure. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. So the, the people that you're around and uh, that you can learn from and, and support and work with, that's it's important in any organization, but especially in those larger organizations. I actually really liked um, being overseas more because in, in an overseas military situation, nobody's there for longer than three years. Yeah. Right. So if there's somebody in a position and you really don't get along with them, it's not going to last forever because either you'll leave or they'll leave. <laughs> oh. So that's good. Yeah. But in the States, it's a little bit different. You know, that's when it you, is. you get like the entrenched bureaucracy of secretaries. Right. Like we could have a conversation that would be hilarious. <laughs> I, you probably and run into those in your, in your state government jobs, I bet. Well, I was uh, different in Oregon state government. I worked there for gosh, seven years. And, uh, after I took that temporary position, I was, I had a series of what are called limited duration assignments. And sometimes they were, uh, three months, sometimes they were a year, but I, uh, I liked that. I, I, there was frequent change. I got to work on different teams. I got new, yeah. uh, Lots challenges, variety, right? Yeah. And I, I tended to get uh, jobs that nobody else wanted because there were problems, big problems. Uh, mm, and I'd, right. I'd like that. Uh, because I, I was especially good at crisis communications. I was a communications professional. So mm. my last assignment as I was going out of Oregon state government was explaining fraud in the Oregon medical marijuana program. And I actually enjoyed that assignment because I had a, a director who was willing to, uh, say we'd made a mistake and we had, and mm. who had a plan to fix it. And we did. And wow. when you're doing media relations in a situation like that, you're, you're solving a problem. It was a mess, and yeah. but we, we weren't afraid to say so, and we were going to make it better, and we did. And that's, huge. that's pretty rare. <laughs> yeah. Those little two things that, you know, good for you, yeah. that, good for you, good for them. Wow. You know, that's kind of impressive. Uh, usually yeah. that, in my experience, those things get like, get and stay pretty ugly. Yes. We could <laughs> do a whole episode about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're wrapping up. So uh, you are at Mac, maxlist.org. And, uh, I am. And I appreciate you being here. So I will give you the last word before we wrap up. Well, thanks for having me on the show. And, uh, you know, I often get contacted by people who want to have the conversation you and I just did or looking for insights into job hunting. And Yeah, thanks for the free every, Oh, no problem. <laughs> and every, everything I know is in our new book. It's called Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. And right. if, if your readers, they can certainly find it on Amazon. Uh, but if they go to maxlist.org slash vroom, and we all know how that's spelled, V-R-O-O-M, uh, they can download the first chapter for free. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. And I will put a link to that in the show notes because it has vroom in it. See, there you go. You scored points with me. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Mac. Vroom, vroom, veer. Vroom, vroom, veer. words. Thank you. Have a good one, Mac. All right. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Bye-bye. 
thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Oh,